When my husband and I started on our journey to finalize the adoption of our oldest child, I was naive about the adoption costs and benefits. I didn't understand how the adoption tax credit worked. I was ever so grateful for the accountant that we had chosen a few years earlier that guided us through claiming our adoption tax credit. You might not be able to use Daniel Peterson, but I hope you are able to interview your tax accountant to make sure you've chosen a good one like we did. I realize some of you listening don't consider taxes a super interesting topic like I do, but the information shared could save you money. So I hope you take the 15 minutes to hear his responses to the 20 questions to ask your CPA about adoption and his bonus resource at the end. But before we do, here's a message from our sponsor. Have you ever thought of selling your own merchandise? This is just one way to earn money towards adoption or fertility. Things like t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, or even posters. You totally can with your own spread shop. Spreadshop gives you everything you need to build your own brand with your own online store. Best of all, Spreadshop is 100% free to use, which I totally love. You'll never worry about any fees or monthly subscriptions. Just upload your own designs, make your products, and start selling to your friends and your fans, and let Spreadshop do the rest. Check out what other creators are saying and launch your free Spreadshop in minutes at Spreadshop.com slash sign up. That's Spreadshop.com slash sign up. Some of these questions that we'll go through, we're actually going to be crossing lines, okay? Right. Um, and yep. we're in an awkward situation, too, because what we're used to, the old tax law that was in place in 2017 is one way. And then 2018 through 2025, we're dealing with a completely different tax code. So dependency exemptions going forward are now only important as it goes toward determining the child tax credit that's available to the various taxpayers. So your adoption, if it's final in 2018, then you can claim that child as a dependent in 2018. They have to be legally adopted. If it's a foster child situation, that foster child will need to be placed in the home by the relative authority, whether it's a judgment or decree, some order of the court of competent jurisdiction. There are other qualifications that are required to meet the dependency exemption. What we just talked about was, do they meet the definition of one piece of a qualifying child? Qualifying child has six different pieces to meet. The first is whether or not they're an adopted child or an eligible foster child. The second is whether that child or individual is less than the age of 19. Third question is whether they have lived with a taxpayer for more than half the year. So in the case of a newborn, you bring that child home in September, adopt the child. They are deemed to have lived with you for more than half the year because they're newborn. Other situations where they're one, two, three years old, and you're just bringing that foster child home for the tail end of the year, I don't think that they're going to meet the live with a taxpayer more than half of the year requirement. You know, we were able to claim one child, but not the other child, because one child was a newborn and the other one was a toddler. So we were able to claim one child, but not the other child because of that reason right there. Let's talk a little bit about our tax credit. Which tax credit can I claim first? The child tax credit, retirement savers credit, or adoption tax credit? Now you're getting into a place where I need to, to lay some foundation. For 2018 going forward, we have a multitude of credits that are available to us. As we determine what our tax is from our total federal income tax, we remove various credits. And what essentially you're, you're driving to is what is the ordering rules for those credits? Which credit comes off first? Which credit comes off second? Which credit doesn't come off anymore? And are there any credits that come back to me 
even though I don't have any tax. So let's kind of lay some foundation about the determination of tax. We have education credits that are fairly common. We have child tax credits and we have the adoption credit. I'll focus on those three since those are the primary credits in these situations. Let's go back and lay an, another piece of foundation. You have non-refundable credits and refundable credits. The critical piece here is non-refundable credits will go to offset your tax. So if you have tax of $2,000 and an education credit of $2,500, part of that education credit is considered non-refundable. That's $1,500 of the $2,500 education credit. So if our tax is $2,000 and we use the non-refundable education credit of $1,500 to reduce our tax down to $500. Now our tax is reduced to $500, we can use the non-refundable portion of the child tax credit. So once our tax is down to zero, there's the other pieces of the credits that are basically considered to be refundable. You get credit essentially as if you paid that money into the federal system. You get credit for having made those payments. And so that comes back to you in the form of a refund. Non-refundable credits and refundable credits. The total amount of the education credit you can claim is $2,500 for an individual who's got qualified tuition that exceeds a certain dollar amount. And if your income's below a certain threshold, there's a lot of different markers that we've got to look at. The total $2,500 credit is broken down into two pieces. The education credit, non-refundable portion will be $1,500 and the refundable portion will be $1,000. In the child tax credit case, you have for those children under the age of 17, you have a $2,000 child tax credit. That child tax credit is broken into refundable and non-refundable portions. Our ordering rules essentially are going to use the non-refundable credits for the education and the child tax credit first, and then the adoption credit comes into play. If there's enough tax to use up the entire adoption credit that you're entitled to, then the adoption credit will be used up. If there's not enough tax to use up that adoption credit. That adoption credit will carry forward to, to future years and offset taxes in future years. And how many years can you push that adoption tax credit forward? A fantastic question. Sorry, I should probably tell you. It's six years. <laughs> Thanks. I'm trying to find my I, I wasn't, here. That wasn't one of the questions enough. on there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a trick question, right? Um, That's all right. We don't want it to expire. Right, so there's right. things that you can do from a tax planning perspective to make sure that you use up that adoption credit before it goes away. Right, which leads us to our next section, which is our tax planning section. You know, when you're asking your CPA, do you do year-end tax planning? Why would I want to do that? What would you recommend as the best way to maximize my adoption tax credit? And for you, when you were working with us, you recommended that we convert our traditional IRA to our Roth IRA to claim the income to take advantage of that full adoption tax credit. Why would someone want to do tax planning in regards to being able to take advantage of that adoption tax credit? Sure. Everybody's tax situation is unique. Basic formula is income minus adjustments for income get you down to your adjusted gross income. From that, you remove the standard deduction or itemized deduction, whichever is larger, and that gets you down to your taxable income. Our tax system is based based upon what's called a graduated rate system, okay? So if you are married filing jointly, your first $19,000 is taxed at 10%. Between $19,000 and $72,000, roughly, it's taxed at 12%. Above that, it's taxed at 22%, and then there's other rates beyond that. If you're in a situation 
where you're in the 10% bracket. And essentially your child tax credits or education credits are being eaten up and you're not able to get into your adoption credit. There's a very small tax cost at 2% to basically move money out of an IRA into a Roth IRA, offer the government taxes at 12% on that money and use your adoption credit to essentially eliminate that tax burden. You have to look at it on an individual basis. And there are things, you know, in some situations, somebody may not have an IRA to be able to roll to or convert to a Roth IRA. So we've got to come mm -hmm. up with some other planning thoughts to try and help them make sure they utilize that adoption credit before it's gone. Can you do that with a 401k? Can you roll it from a traditional 401k to a Roth 401k? Because I see a lot more of those Roth 401ks coming out. It, it depends on the plan. Some plans, as you're employed in the 401k, you can't move that 401k money out until you leave employment. Some plans will allow you to do a partial transfer of those monies. So you'll have to look into the plan document, talk to the plan administrator about what your options are related to that 401k. Yeah, because I, until recently, I hadn't really seen any Roth 401ks and probably about a year or two ago, I started seeing a lot more employers offering that Roth 401k and it's like, oh, that's exciting, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, um, through, through an employer plan like that, you can put a lot more money into a Roth 401k than you can individually. There's like a $22,000 cap on that Roth IRA contribution, whereas an individual, it's $5,500, depending upon mm -hmm. what year it is. It, it changed in 2018, so. So let's move on to some tax changes that have occurred. You briefly mentioned it a little bit earlier, but a what affects your gross income? The tax law changed income limits for 2018. What are they? How much is the adoption tax credit for 2018? Is there an income limit for the adoption tax credit? And if I don't have a tax li liability, can I use the adoption tax credit? All right. Multiple questions. I'll try yep. and field each one of them. Okay. <laughs> So catch catch me if I don't if I don't uh, answer sure. all of your questions. The adoption credit maximum for 2018 is thirteen thousand eight hundred and ten dollars. If your modified adjusted gross income exceeds two hundred and seven thousand one hundred and forty dollars, that adoption credit begins to reduce to the point where it completely phases out and you get no adoption credit because your income's too high. That deals with the income limit. That deals with the adoption credit amount. If you don't have a tax liability, can the can you use the adoption tax credit? No, the adoption credit is non-refundable. That means that whatever your tax liability is, the adoption credit goes against it to take it to zero. And then whatever is left of the adoption credit that didn't get utilized rolls to the next year. It will not be coming back to you in the form of a payment or refund. So the, the tax law has changed. You kind of, actually, you've, you've, you mentioned the income limits just a little bit earlier, so I won't go over that again. Let's say someone has a dual income family that's been working super hard. They're making the 200000 limit. You know, what could they do to lower their income so that they make sure that they're taking advantage of that full adoption tax credit? Absolutely. You don't want it to get phased out. So first thing, if you're employed and you have options through your employer to participate in various pre-tax plans, whether it be the flexible spending account, health savings account, or 401k options that will reduce the amount of income that's reported to the federal government, that will bring your modified adjusted gross income down. But you have to be thinking about that in advance because a lot of times those elections are done at the end of the calendar year for the following calendar year. So if you believe you're going to be at that threshold, you need to be thinking about that when you sign up for those employer benefits. Which then leads the us to our tax planning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what you're forward, forward thinking. Right. In the event you're self-employed, you have the option to put in put in place various pre-tax retirement plans. It does require cash to be able to put into those plans. So you have to be thinking about how to reserve those cash funds to 
to make those contributions. If you're still employed and your employer doesn't offer you those pre-tax plans, you do have the option of making a traditional IRA contribution that allows you to put money into an IRA in your name and you get a tax deduction for that. That tax deduction reduces your adjusted gross income and could allow you to qualify for the full adoption credit if you're at that threshold. All right, next section, adoption expenses. What is considered a qualified adoption expense? Those qualified adoption expenses are defined in the Internal Revenue Code. Reasonable and necessary expenses, including adoption fees, court costs, attorney's fees, and travel expenses, including transportation, meals, and lodging while away from home, all of them being incurred in relation to the legal adoption of an eligible child. In regards to travel, like airplane tickets or hotels or eating out, do you have to provide proof, you know, a receipt for those things? How long do you have to keep those if you do? You will, yeah, you will want to retain uh, the documentation related to those expenses as long as you still have the adoption credit in play and three years thereafter. So if you incur the adoption expenses in 2018, the, ado the adoption's final in 2018, and you continue to carry that adoption credit forward until, say, 2020, you need to retain that documentation until at least 2024 would be my recommendation. Let's go back yep. to the qualified okay, adoption ahead. expenses because this sure. may be not, this may be something that's, you know, people don't understand or realize. When we talk about qualified adoption expenses. If there's a requirement by a state as a condition of the adoption mm -hmm. that you build certain things into the home, those construction costs and renovations or alterations to the house or purchases that are specifically required by the state to meet the needs of the child are also considered qualified adoption expenses. Would that also affect foster care? Foster care? Or is that I don't know that I can beast? speak to that, Laura. Yeah, that's a, okay, it becomes okay. a different... Okay, little beast. Well, yeah, if, if you incurred those costs and that foster child ends up being adopted, I would argue yeah. that those are qualified adoption expenses. When I really, I really, I'm glad that you pointed out because that, that was really, that was very interesting. I had no idea about that. We adopted our boys through foster care and there are no fees in the state of Tennessee for you to finalize the adoption through foster care. DCS pays for the attorney, they pay for the home study, so there's, there's zero cost. And so there isn't really any qualified adoption expenses, but we were able to claim an adoption, uh, the adoption tax credit. So what qualifies a child as special needs in, in regards to being able to claim that, that foster child that you've adopted? Yeah, let's go back to the definition of eligible child. An eligible child has got specific requirements. The, they've got to be under the age of 18, physically or ment mentally incapable of caring for him or herself. In your case, we're talking about a designation by the state. Individual who's qualified as special needs. A special needs adoption will allow you to claim the entire maximum adoption credit, regardless of the expenses that you might have incurred, because they are defined by the state as special needs. If you're not adopting a special needs child, your qualified adoption expenses are limited to, or your credit will be limited to, either your actual expenses incurred or the $13,000 credit, whichever is less. So if you flew to Crimea, incurred various adoption expenses to the tune of $25,000 to adopt a child, you're not going to be allowed to take all of those expenses. You'll be capped mm -hmm. at the 13000 Whereas if you adopted someone and it only cost you $5,000, they meet their requirements, 
uh, under the age and incapable of caring for themselves, but they have not been designated by the state as special needs, then you'll be limited to the $5,000 expenses incurred. Kind of touched a little bit about this earlier. Uh, can I claim a, a child that I foster on my, my tax return? And that has to do with when they came to you within the year. So if they stay with you for six months or longer, uh, then you can claim them in that year. And But if it's less than that, then you are not able to claim them. Yeah, there's one other test we didn't talk about when we talked about the qualifying child, it comes to, did you provide more than half of that child's support during the year? Okay. When you have foster care assistance, that foster care assistance can be used essentially to provide for the care of the child. And if that foster care assistant is more than half of the support of the child, then you'll not be able to claim that child as a dependent. So those are my questions. I My 20 questions. Is there any other things that I have not covered that you feel is necessary that someone that is has a that they really need to know or understand? They can look at Form 8839, go to irs.gov and pull the Form 8839. That is a good discussion about qualified adoption expenses and how that credit is determined and how modified adjusted gross income is calculated. So if you want to educate yourself, uh, there's some good resources there on the IRS website. I'll make sure I post that on my, um, on my blog too. Thank you for listening to Family Money Coaching with your financial coach, Laura Coleman. We prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. We welcome comments or questions about today's podcast. You can send those inquiries to www.familymoneycoaching.org. We are trying to build our community and we would really appreciate you sharing our podcast and blog with others that are starting on their fertility or adoption journey. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button right now so that you don't miss out on the next podcast. Until next time, live your financial life with intention to get what you truly desire.